Welcome to the Heart of a Man podcast. We are a movement of men pursuing faith, character, personal growth, and meaningful friendships. If you'd like to learn more about us and our mission to rebuild the American family one man at a time, please visit us at heartofaman.org. We hope you enjoy this lesson from our series called Genesis, Why Is It This Way? All right, you guys. Well, if you remember, last time I spoke, you may or may not remember, I focused on fathers and sons encouraging fathers to take hope in their brokenness and reminding sons to be grateful for our parents, failures and all, knowing that God is working through all of this for our good and for the good of our kids. This week, we're gonna focus more deeply on the characteristics of a godly man, specifically on some of the key values that a man must put into practice in order to properly wear the mantle of a godly man, no longer a boy, in relationship to his family. Now, rather than breaking this up by verses, uh, tonight I'm gonna focus on this text as a whole, highlighting three key principles. The first is that God provides when we trust his path for our life. The second is that everything will come to an end and we need to be intentional about how we end. And the third is that God calls men to leave their father and their mother. My aim is that each of us would be challenged, would be challenged to live as mature men, committing our lives to Jesus and proactively leading our circumstances and our relationships. Let's pray together. Holy Father, thank you for this word. God, uh, I confess, I need your Holy Spirit. If I stand up here and talk, I don't know what's gonna come out, Lord, but it's not gonna be what I need. It's not gonna be what these guys need. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray to you, would you fill me now, Lord, keep my voice intact, Lord, it's falling apart today, and I I hope it will last, but if it doesn't, I know it's because I'm done, Lord. So if it stops, I pray that whatever these guys hear, Lord, it would be your words. Help them to hear your voice. And let us walk out of here as men, better men than the men we walked in here as. Lord, please, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, the first principle again is that God provides when we trust his path for our life. The foundational step of being a man of God is placing your faith in him and accepting him as the ruler of your life. Up until chapter 28, we watched Jacob acting like a little boy. He's fighting with his brother, he's lying to his dad, and he's trying to be mommy's favorite. But in honoring his father and mother and leaving home, Jacob finds himself in the midst of God's plan, coming face to face with the Lord and accepting Yahweh, the God of Abraham, as his savior, as his God, as his ruler. And this begins the transi- Jacob's transition from boyhood into manhood. In Psalm 37, it says this, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as as, as noonday. So the first question for tonight is, how did Jacob trust God? And and then how do we see God providing for him? Let's look at the story. So in Genesis 28, 
uh, Jacob first committed himself to God's plan. His, his dad sends him out into a place, whether he knew he was doing it or not, in which Jacob was forced to either muster his own strength or to lean on God. And what we see from Jacob is a man who decides to bow before the Lord and commit his path to God. In Genesis 29, aware of God's promise to bless him and grow his offspring, Jacob made a contract with his uncle in order to acquire a wife. A critical step in creating offspring within God's structure of marriage. In Genesis 29 and 30, we find that in the midst of this mess of a marriage of two of him with two sisters, Jacob has helped his wives actually know who God is and have a relationship with God. What do we see? In Genesis 29, it says, Leah conceived and bore a son, and she, na she named him Reuben. For she said, because the Lord, that's translated Yahweh. This isn't some other God. It's talking about the God of Abraham. Because the Lord Yahweh has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. And then again, it says, she conceived and she bore another son, and she said, this time I will praise Yahweh. And therefore she called his name Judah. And then we see the same with Rachel. It says, God remembered Rachel. God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph saying, may the Lord Yahweh add to me another son. Jacob's wives knew who God was. Kudos to Jacob. In Genesis 30, where we're picking up today, Jacob honored his father-in-law, though he didn't do it perfectly, despite being mistreated, fulfilling the full 14 years that he committed to, plus another six caring for his flock. That's honoring your father. That is honoring your father. That was hard, hard work, as we've saw. In Genesis 31, Jacob recognized God's provision for him and publicly gave God credit for it. He said, if God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. But God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. He's given God the credit for this. He's not taking it for anything except for God doing the work. And lastly, Jacob took action when the Lord spoke to him. In Genesis 31, 11, through 18, it says, Then the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. So Jacob arose, and he set his sons and wives on camels to go to the land of Canaan to his father. Now, Scotty painted a good picture for us last week. Uh, Jacob's not a perfect guy. He's a common guy like us. He's trusting the Lord, but he's also doing a lot wrong in the midst of that. He harbored bitterness towards, uh, towards Laban and avoided conversations about it. He acted coldly and harshly towards Leah and snapped at Rachel for whining about not having a child. He ran from Laban like a fugitive rather than saying goodbye like a mature adult. And then he berated his father-in-law for the years of mistreatment rather than calmly sharing his hurts. Becoming a man of God still includes many failures and immaturities, which we do need God to redeem. So the question is, how did God still provide for Jacob in the midst of this 
checkered trust, as this checkered faith that he had, he, he provided a lot. This is a list of a few. Genesis 29, God led Jacob to the right place at the right time to meet Rachel. Gen, uh, God had already provided Jacob with the right skills which he could rely upon to earn his wives from Laban. In Genesis uh, 30 and 29, despite his dual wife situation he's got going on, uh, God blessed Jacob with abundant children as he promised he would. God greatly blessed his animal husbandry efforts and created immense wealth for him. God gave Jacob the wisdom to consult with his wives before leaving their homeland. Smart move, don't move until your wife gives you the full blessing. <laughs> that was very smart. That's the wisdom of God right there. Genesis 31, God spoke directly to Jacob to tell him who he was, what Jacob should do, and how he had helped Jacob's flocks increase. The list keeps going. God provided protection for Jacob, speaking directly to Laban, a pagan, mind you, and warning him not to hurt Jacob. And then finally, God gave Jacob the opportunity, I love this, to end this chapter well with, with Laban, even though his intent was do it, to do it the wrong and immature way. God blessed him so much. He's trying to trust, he's doing stuff wrong, but God is taking care of him because he is trusting in God. Despite Jacob's many shortcomings like ours, I see the growing of a man who in the ways he knew how was trying to live to honor God. So the question I have for you guys tonight as you look at Jacob is what is the foundation of your manhood? Who or what are you believing will provide you what you need to be the man that you want to be? The second principle of this text is that Everything will come to an end, and we, as men, need to be intentional about how we end. You know, one of the things that I've often struggled with in my life is saying goodbye. Uh, I went to school at, at Baylor in Texas, if you didn't know that, and at the time, my folks were still living in Chicago, and uh, I remember vividly that uh, I, I would typically leave to, to go, go back to Texas on Sunday, and so I remember often on Saturday nights, um, I was just, I'd feel really, really sad at the thought of, of leaving my family. I loved, I loved school. I loved going to Baylor when I got on that plane and I got going, I'm like, whoo, it's college life, this is great, I loved it. But, but on the, right before that were hard, hard moments. And as I look back, I realized that I did not handle those goodbyes the way that I should have or that I could have. I made a rule that no one was allowed to cry because then I would start crying. The sadness that I was feeling about leaving my family should have been the cue to come together, to hug each other, to discuss our fears about being apart, and also to share what we were excited about. But instead of leaning into those emotions, I ran from them. And so instead of going into my semesters on a high note, oftentimes I went into my semesters on a low. And so the question that I have is, what does the Bible say about endings? I did some digging and found a few things. I just started at the beginning. Chapter one of Genesis. God intertwines endings 
into the very fabric of our existence even before sin entered the world. The first day, the second day, the third day, and the seventh day, and God rested. Each day, each week, each season, God intentionally made with a beginning and an end. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus, said this, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, there's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to weep and there's a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Everything is a time to begin and to end. And then I love this. I love this picture. We studied John last year, the book of John. In chapters 13 through 17, it's, this, uh, it's Jesus' farewell discourse to his disciples. And he's sitting at dinner with this group of guys who he loved so, so much. And he's about to be taken away and crucified, and he knows it. And yet he doesn't walk, just walk away and leave them wondering what is next. Jesus leans into the, the, this final moment with these guys despite this intense pain that he's feeling. He stays in the moment, and Jesus shows us how to end well. What does he do? The first thing he does is he stays in the emotions. He doesn't run. He addresses the question marks as best as he can. He tries to answer a lot of their questions. He talks about the next chapter with the, with the disciples and he tries to prepare them for it. And lastly, he prays. He prays to God the Father, asking him to care for them and guide them through what will be coming next. So to bring this idea full circle to our text today, how does Jacob, how does he, how does he handle endings? And what are the results of how he handled them? He's had three notable endings thus far. The first is with his mom, Rebecca. Jacob and Rebecca came up with a plan well, really, Rebecca came up with a plan. They executed it together, and it worked flawlessly, except for that it left his brother wanting to kill him. <laughs> it did not, yeah, that wasn't a good, <laughs> they didn't think of that. So <laughs> this prompted Rebecca and Isaac to send Jacob away to protect him and to find a spouse, and shortly thereafter, he leaves. And so, this is pretty sad when you think about what actually happened. As far as the Bible tells us, Jacob never saw his mom again after this moment. Think about Rebecca's life. Think about what she felt for the next 20 years or however, however long she lived in that time span. Jacob was her favorite son. And because of her ideas and her commands, he was forced to leave the result of this poor ending, in this case, we don't entirely know for sure. But if you were Rebecca or Jacob, how would it affect you? As a parent, living out the rest of my life in guilt, knowing I caused my family to break apart, or as a son for years feeling bitter towards my mom, knowing she's the reason I had to leave home, and then after that, growing up, growing older and being sad, knowing I never had the chance to tell my mom, I forgive you. Look at all that God has done. It's okay. I made that choice, not you. 
They never had that chance. Endings matter. They matter. The second ending that we see is with Esau. And there's no discourse that we know of between him and Jacob before Jacob leaves. And if we look ahead, we see in Genesis 32 and 33, when Jacob returns home, he's petrified of his brother, bending over backwards to appease him in fear of him killing him as he arrives home, only to find out that Esau had long forgiven him. The result of this poor ending was that Jacob spent 20 years separated from his brother with fear and untruth ruminating in his heart and his mind. Knowing what we know now about Esau, what do you guys think would have happened? Imagine what would have happened if Jacob would have just apologized before he left home. What a difference that would have made in both of their lives. Wow, one small change in that ending and it could have looked so, so different. And the third ending that we see today is from our text. It's Jacob's ending with Laban. Once again, Jacob did not end well initially. He pulled, this was my trick from, from college, the old Irish goodbye. You guys ever heard that term before? You just kind of just slide out of the party. You don't tell anybody. It's just one moment everyone turns around. They're like, where'd he go? And uh, it didn't, again, didn't work out well in this case. Uh, wasn't funny. Um, what happened? It didn't go well. It sparked anger with Laban, leaving him feeling disrespected. It left grievances unspoken between them, fostering bitterness. It robbed his kids and his wife of the opportunity to properly say goodbye to their father and grandfather. And yet, by God's grace, Jacob got a second chance to end in a healthier manner. Once again, God working through a pagan. He's working through Laban's anger by, and bringing him back into the picture so that they could be forced to talk and close out this chapter of their lives intentionally. God wants us to see endings matter. He wants us to be intentional. And when we are intentional, he will help us work through the issues that make us want to run. He will. So here's the question. As you look ahead, what season of, or relationship in your life, as you look ahead, what season or relationship in your life is likely going to be the next one to end? And what will it take for you to end it with no regrets and a clear conscience? This concept of ending well in a fashion that honors the relationships that we have is a perfect segue into this last principle of our text. And it's this. God calls men, God calls men to leave their father and mother. That's the, that's the principle. In Genesis 2, it says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. In Matthew 4, it says, this is Jesus. And going from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. And lastly, in this book of Genesis, the story of Abraham and his descendants, which we've been following, what do we see? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob 
All are led in one way or another to leave their father or the land of their father and to venture out on their own. The Bible makes it clear from Genesis all the way through the New Testament when it's time for a man to get engaged in his God-ordained purpose, his voyage into manhood begins when he leaves his father and his mother. Now, in the words of my four-year-old daughter, why? 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 Why, Dad? Why? That's a great question, Annie. Thanks. Why? 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 Why is it so important? Why is it so important for a young man to move out of his parents' house, out from under their authority, off of their payroll, and into the world? Why is that important? And this Jacob, the story of Jacob, it teaches us. The first reason that leaving matters is because it forces a man to decide, who do I trust? From the moment Jacob leaves home through now, as he's leaving Jacob's estate, the unknowns of life continually push him up against this question. Who am I going to trust? Am I going to trust myself? Am I going to trust my parents? Am I going to trust Laban? Or am I going to trust God? As I practice this today with my kids running around, my four-year-old goes, God! I'm like, good answer. That's the right answer. For those, for those of us with more supportive and engaged parents, it's often easy just to follow along and when things get hard, to turn back to mom and dad. Just put their pro- our problems in their, in their lap and let them fix it like they did when we were kids. For those with distant or absent parents who are, who, or who are completely disconnected from your parents, your tendency when things get hard is probably to turn inward, to look to yourself, to trust no one, not even God. In going out on our own, the hardships of life are meant to ratchet up, causing us to see that our childhood ways are no longer sufficient. God called Jacob out from his parents and in the midst of his fears, in the midst of his fears, he found God. And in this chapter, God called Jacob to leave Laban and in leaving God proved to Jacob that he's a God worth following. That's when God showed up. Leaving home forces young men to decide, who am I gonna trust? The second reason leaving matters is because it forces a young man to cultivate the skills and diligence required to provide for himself and eventually for his family. In Genesis 1 and 2, God formed the earth, created a garden, and he placed man in the garden to work it. Each and every man has, is made with God's likeness, created with his character inside of us. And as we look back on God creating the earth, at the end of each day, he finished his work and he concluded, this is good. This is really good. That same sense lives in each of you, in each of us. God wants us to leave our father and mother and go to work Because, number one, two reasons. Number one is doing good work brings satisfaction and courage to our hearts. I remember when I was working at Packmore's account manager, objectively speaking, you could validate this with my old coworkers if you wanted to, especially because they don't work for us now, that I was pretty good at my job. I would say, in fact, that I was very good at my job. And so when I would get done with a week of work, I I would walk away often feeling courage, thinking that 
was good. What I, what I produced was good. And I'm, I'm good at something. I'm actually good at something. And that's a satisfying feeling which God wants us to experience. And you don't get that when you don't go to work. Number two reason why leaving your parents and going to work matters is as 2 Thessalonians says, if a man does not work, he should not eat. Being out on our own, this idea becomes quick, quickly clear to us when even ramen is over your budget. <laughs> Godly men are not called to be freeloaders who depend on others to feed themselves and to feed their family. Let me say this again. Godly men are not called to be freeloaders who depend on others to feed them or to feed their family. For the sake of our own sense of self-worth and in honor of the way God made us and, in his, and his purpose for us, like Jacob, God wants us to leave our parents and go to work. And when we do that, you guys know it, most of the days are gonna be grueling. They're not gonna be fun, but when we stay diligent to the hard, and do the hard work, we gain both courage and satisfaction in knowing what our hands can produce. And we see this in Jacob as he managed those sheep like a pro. This is a man skilled in his job and able to feed himself and his family. Jacob is growing as a man. Lastly, the third reason that leaving matters is because it forces a young man to accept, I am the owner of my life and my decisions. Before Jacob left home, we saw a boy who was more than willing to give away his agency for his decisions, to let his mom take the blame for deceiving his father. But as we progress in today's story, we see the makings of a man while still harboring bitterness and hanging on to some immaturity, God speaks to Jacob and helps him see you're the leader of your family. You are, your life condition, your direction, your, your, the state of your relationships are the result of your doing. You need to make the call, Jacob. You're the man, you're the leader. In 2 Corinthians, it says this, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please the Lord. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. When we stand before the throne of God, no one else will be accountable for the decisions of our life. Our right actions, our wrong actions, and our decision about who will be the Lord of our life will be ours alone to explain. Leaving is meant to force this reality into full view so that we will stop blaming others or believing our decisions somehow fall on them like Jacob did at home. And instead, that we will own our decisions, recognizing that our path in life is answerable only between us and God. What needs to change in your life so that you can confidently say, I am living my life as a man of God, not a boy, no longer a boy. So in conclusion, which of these challenges from today is God calling you to carry out with you this week? I hope you'll think about it. Let me, let me, uh, let me play them back again. The first question was this, what is the foundation 
of your manhood. If you are building your life as a young man or as an older man on something, any, anything other than Jesus Christ, it's not gonna work out. I hate to break it to you, it's just not. The Bible makes it clear. All these examples of times where guys choose some path other than God's path, and it's not a good path. The path to becoming a real man is to follow Jesus. And so if that's what you wanna be, I'm gonna be up here after this. If you wanna come up and pray and ask God to be the Lord of your life, I hope you will. I hope you'll come up here and say, I wanna be a man. I need to be that. And Jesus is where you start. Maybe that's, your, maybe that's your calling this week. Or maybe it's this. What is the next ending in your life? How is God calling you to think critically about how you will make your next ending your best? Or finally, what elements of childhood are you holding on to? What needs to change in your life so that you can confidently say, I'm living my life as a man and not a boy? I hope you guys will take one of these and work on it this week. For me, I'll just share my conviction from this, what's on my heart. I'm convicted that my relationship with my mom's mom, my grandma, is not where I want it to be. Her life is probably gonna be the next ending in my life. She's getting old, and our relationship is not where I want it to be, and that's something I need to work on. And so I would push it back to you guys again. What is it for you? Which of these prompts will you carry with you this week? Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your word. It doesn't, go, it doesn't return void. It works in us, Lord. So I pray that you would uh, just let these roots grow in our hearts and produce fruit this, this week. We need you. Most of all, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill each of these men. We just can't do it without your power. If we try, we're gonna fail. So just carry these guys out, inspire them, let them walk into their homes, into their apartments, wherever they live, as different men than the way they came in here this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.